The Down Below podcast was our last best hope to analyze. We failed. But in the year of the spoiler war, it became something greater. Our last best hope for answers. The year is 2015. The show, down below. Well, hello, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome to Down Below, a Babylon 5 intro cast. I'm Will. I'm Ann. Hi, I'm Heidi. And I'm Elizabeth. Uh, hopefully our guest will be joining us later, trying to get through to her. But today we are here to discuss episode two of season three, Convictions. But first, here's an ISN special report. This is an ISN special report. Babylon 5 was the location of several terrorist bombings which resulted in fatalities and injuries. One of the injured was Minbari Ambassador Lin's assistant, Lanier. The perpetrator was a human named Robert J. Carlson, who had recently joined this station as a part of the engineering and maintenance crew. He was taken into custody and will be prosecuted. This has been an ISN special report. Detective Kate Beckett, NYPD. Richard Castle, just NY. I'm Heidi. And I'm John. Where were you between 9 and 10 last night? Recording CastleCast. A podcast for ABC's Castle. We cover all the latest Castle news. And we recap and discuss the latest Castle episode. Then we find out what our listeners have to say. And there are spoilers. I think we're done here. Don't leave town. Convictions originally aired on November 13, 1995. It was directed by Mike Vahar, who last directed Comes the Inquisitor, everyone's favorite episode of season two, and written by JMS. So let's get started with the recap. So since I was uh, falling asleep all day yesterday, my goal was to do the recap without ever having to hit pause on the uh, on the DVD. So it may not be as detailed as normal, but this episode, I don't think it really matters much. There's only a few scenes where you really get into stuff. Most of the rest of it, it's a framing device for some really interesting scenes. Yeah. Hey, so I have a comment on the on the director. Um, yeah. Having uh, now learned that. I can sort of see where some of my problems with this episode come from. That director <laughs> just likes to direct people shouting a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is that more. guy. It's like, why is he yelling? Um, <laughs> Give me more. Give me more. More <laughs> anger. <laughs> and I might be wrong in thinking that the one scene that really stands out in this episode was second unit direction, maybe. Maybe. I might be wrong in that, but part of the story I've heard about it says it was second unit, but I could be wrong. Uh, I, 
you're, you're not talking about the Jakar and Londo scene. Jakar and Londo scene, yeah. They're that would have been shot by there. second unit, really? I don't know. I don't know. Something in the back of my mind's telling me that it wasn't part of the main unit. Maybe because they were doing an explosion in um, uh, another part of the um, studio set. Well, and sometimes second unit just means that they're having to film simultaneously. And, like, maybe the actors weren't available at the time that they needed them, so they had to do it at the same time they were doing something else. Yeah, but second unit usually is, like, for lesser things. Like, maybe they're doing, like, stunt scenes or something, or... Yeah, I could be completely wrong here. It's just... No, I mean, it just would surprise me because... It's a very important scene with two main actors with a lot of dialogue. Um, just Yeah. I was watching some of the bonus uh, features on The Hobbit, and I didn't realize that Andy Serkis was the second unit director on The Hobbit movies, the huh. guy that did Gollum. I didn't either. Yeah, he was directing like a lot of The Hobbit you know, running scenes where they're just running across. <laughs> Run! <the> <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know he directed right here. It was yeah. He was giving direction to Gandalf, and Ian McKellen was getting a little snippy at once. But then he realized that Andy Serkis was right in what he was saying, and kind of you know turned oh, <laughs> backpedal a little bit. Yeah, I suppose he's got a lot of experience with actually trying to show people how to do um, whatever the motion capture thing is, so yeah, that he- can transfer over into direction. Yeah. Everyone, welcome to the podcast, Nutty. Yay! Hey, Nutty. Welcome. Uh, so, Nutty, why did you choose this episode? Any reason? Uh, I just chose this episode because of the date. Oh. Uh, okay, <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> <laughs> so when you're available. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is what I tend to do with the intercast these days. Um, but uh, it turns out that. This has one of my favorite scenes of the entire series in it. Yeah, I think I know which one it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just that scene, isn't it? That. And, um, yeah, we were just getting ready to start the recap. Excellent. Didn't miss much. All right. Where am I? Okay. So the episode begins with some drowsy missionaries arriving on the station. They heard that Droshala appeared, so they think B5 is blessed. Uh, Garibaldi and Ivana believe Zach to handle this. Nice to see Zach. Zach gets in the credits now. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Poor Zach, Zach gets put in the credits, and then he gets the peon job. So. <laughs> so they are interested in him and start poking him because he was on the station, but he says, you know, that plant was in the garden, so it must be more blessed than I am. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That was excellent uh, thinking there on Zach's part. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> really, I don't think that plant was anywhere near. <laughs> well, but at, at least they're like bringing it up. Um, you know, now we know that word got out to everybody. Oh yeah, people are wondering about it. So that's pretty cool. People are flocking there. Yeah, pilgrimaging. Uh huh. I think one of the Drazi was is played by Michael McKenzie. He's been aliens in a bunch of episodes, different aliens. I'm I recognizing like... the Drazi better. Yeah, yeah. seeing more of them. So, mm-hmm. and the opening CGI shot was pretty good too. Oh, with the um, 
Star Fury's mm-hmm. coming back. Yeah. Um, Ivanova tells, I call him Baldy. <laughs> she tells Garibaldi about some messages <laughs> they've been getting saying chaos is on the way. So Baldy thinks it's a crank, but he'll look into it. And we cut to down below where some lurkers are looking for stuff they can sell and they accidentally set off a bomb. Oops. Opening credits. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this uh, one extra thing. Oh, I'll just explore this obvious cage here. It's like empty <laughs> crate. Let's go in there. Darwin's theory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, this should be the first time you've actually seen the credits because last week you were just listening to them. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. We added uh, Zach and uh, Marcus. Marcus. Yes. Yeah, to the um, turntable um, intro. Mm-hmm. But you've also got all those little clips during the narration. Yeah, yep. there was one clip of like a Star Fury shooting another Star Fury, or maybe I'm just uh, making that up. But- yeah. yeah. But we got um, a lot of training in the last episode of the um, last season, and then we also get the White Star as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And crying on Sheridan's shoulder. <laughs> um, yeah, comes the Inquisitor, I think. Could be any episode now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it mostly happens all the time, so. Yeah. But in this intro, rather than shots of people walking through B5 and a little bit of war, this is all fighting, apart from the one moment where you've got Delane crying on Sheridan's shoulder. Mm-hmm. Was Ivanova's hair the way it was last episode? I can't remember. It looks a bit big this week, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Poofy hair. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, and after the credits and down below, Zach is getting people to check things out, and then he finds out they have another shipment, and we see... Brother Theo and his people, they're the shipment, I guess. Does that mean like another shipment of like religious pilgrimage people, or? <laughs> yeah, I thought that's what he meant. Okay. Mm, yeah, yeah, I think they're getting a lot through. It, he, he said, "Well, the first time I watched it um, for this rewatch, uh, I heard shipment, and then the second time I watched <laughs> it, it's like sh- I heard ship. Uh, so I was confused. <laughs> I'm like, did they say shipment or ship? Oh, I thought he said shipment. Mm. That sounds oh. familiar." And I'm curious, um, anyone else have the DVDs? Hang on one second. I'm really sorry. That's my alarm clock trying to wake (laughs) me up again. Sounds pleasant anyway. Uh, Yes, that is the Star Trek theme. Um, Did anybody else try to play their DVDs on their computer? No. My DVDs won't play on my computer. They spit right out. Oh, interesting. Sometimes I have trouble getting my DVDs to play on my consoles. That's what I usually watch movies mm. on. I had to actually use the DVD player. <laughs> yeah. It's like, ah, oh, <laughs> DVD player, what? Where's that <laughs> one? <laughs> and down below, they're looking for survivors in the rubble. And Garibaldi thinks anything could have happened. He's not ruling out a bomb, but he doesn't think there's anything valuable down there worth blowing up. He doesn't, like, connect it to the chaos. Like thing, you know, he's a little off this week. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he is this week. I think he's just trying not to jump to conclusions because when when Sheridan says, "So you don't think it's a bombing?" and he's like, oh, "No, I'm not saying that." 
Right. <laughs> I think he's just trying to put all of the evidence out there before he jumps to conclusions. Yeah. Not because really I think, any possibility. Right. I think Garibaldi's the kind of person that realizes if you automatically assume things, that's how people get hurt. Oh, yeah. And if you say it's a bomb before too long, the press will hear of it and yeah, everyone will start yeah. panicking. Yeah. yeah. Nobody like says you... he needed to, like, rule definitively or anything. But, you know, just bring that little piece into the equation. Uh, so next, Ivanova meets with Brother Theo. Now, Brother Theo is played by Louis Chirin, who played the original draw down on Epsilon 3. Really? Oh. Yeah. That's why he looks so familiar. Yeah. yeah, they wanted to bring him back when Drawl came back, but he wasn't available for health reasons, but they just wanted to bring the actor back somehow. Yeah, so they, um, JMS created the character of Brother Theo especially for him, from what I've heard. Cool. Oh, that's cool. He's got a good look to him, you know? Yeah. Got the attitude also. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like him a lot. Brother Theo says that they are from New Mallory back home and they want to permanently move to Babylon 5 to learn and teach. And with all the alien races, I guess, said it would take four or five decades, right? Mm. Although every time I hear um, where he's from, I immediately think of Sliders. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Why did someone name a town after Queen Mallory? (laughs) (laughs) Because he's part of this universe. <laughs> oh, I see. He, he slid into one of JMS's earlier projects, and he's part of this universe now. There you go. Right. Sliders, Babylon 5, fan fiction. Let's get on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ivanova kind of sort of tries to talk him out of it, but he has the answer for all of her concerns. But I didn't, I didn't quite... Okay, so basically he said... Like, he's addressing what happened and saying that it's kind of like he's saying that, you know, God is revealing himself in other ways to other races or whatever. But, I mean, I don't know. This is kind of like a a really weird way to, like, I don't know. I wish they would go deeper into it rather than just having somebody that just goes, oh, it doesn't mean anything. Like... It just means that it, God is revealing himself in different ways instead of really exploring, you know, what other religions mean and what that would mean to your own religion. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I kind of wondered if these guys will, I don't know, either find out about the whole Vorlon thing or like just what they would think of it in general. Like, how would they interpret it? Would they interpret it that the Vorlon, that the Vorlons are the gods or that they capitalized on the beliefs, just like we've discussed, you know, which came first yeah. sort of a thing. But, um, but I would be interested to know how they would interpret the Vorlon interaction. Yeah. I think yeah. that would be really interesting. So I hope that we actually see more of these guys that, you know, that it kind of does go deeper. Like you were saying, Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. The other thing I like about it is JMS here, basically saying that, uh, this monthly order at least moves forward with the times and adapts to new environments. It doesn't just stick with the old ways of doing things. It'll, they've got computer programmers amongst them, for example. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the people who are in the top of their fields and um, they're able to accept that 
their their belief structure expands outside of their one world and one race. Um, you know, uh, I was talking to somebody last night and we were talking about faith and he said something about, you know, well, the Christian God only deals with earth. And I'm like, well, why, why do you think that? Well, isn't that how it is? I'm like, well, who says it's that way? You right. know? And uh, I like this order because they seem... He says something about how uh, they're they're fine with time and they're they're devoted, and it's all about the the thirst for knowledge and you know their dedication. And it's something about I can't remember the exact quote, and it's something about um, whether it's illuminated manuscripts or something else. And he goes on, and so it kind of gives you that that notion that these are the same kind of monks that, you know, did the illuminated manuscripts that they they devoted themselves. It, it, it's not just about God, but it's about knowledge. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. It's about yeah. preservation and exploration of knowledge. Yeah. And it's something that I think kind of gets forgotten that during the middle ages, it's monthly orders that preserve knowledge. Yep. And it's great to see that being explored here. And also that, um, you know, they're willing to listen and talk with people rather than preaching at them, for example, because that's one of Ivanova's concerns. Right, right. Which is, again, another reason why it's awesome that uh, JMS used uh, brothers and monks because they don't do masses, they don't do preaching. They, you know, that's... And again, like you said, they, taking from history the the part of clergy that was preserving knowledge. So, it's really neat. I I think it is just a great little character there. And, mm-hmm. and I enjoyed so. that group. Mm, and maybe something Stephen Moffat actually took on board when he actually explores the church on occasions in uh, Doctor Who, um, the future of the church, because you've got um, soldier... Um, almost paladins and you've got um, a religious order that okay different again but also looking to the past and looking to you know other versions of how you know faith is explored other than the standard versions we normally get yeah I could see that you could definitely see that and next we see Garibaldi and his guy Marishi are investigating. Marishi, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I wanna try to pronounce this actor's name, but you see him in a lot of stuff. However, face is very recognizable. He was in the Mortal Kombat series recently. <laughs> He's gonna be in The Man in the High Castle. So they think it was a bomb now after their, their investigation. So they seal out the area and they're gonna try to reconstruct what happened. And next, there's some guy getting on Lanier's nerves while he's waiting for a delay. And they call this guy Obnoxious Man, I think, in the credits. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and the guy is actually played by John C. Flynn, the director of photography. He was he made an appearance in Grail, too, as Mr. Flynn. But I think this is supposed to be somebody different. I was actually kind of wondering if he was played by somebody from the crew, because I was like, <laughs> he was terrible. <laughs> it was funny how, how terrible he was. Uh, he did have an awesome shirt, though. 
it was quite loud. I think Angel would have uh, would have wanted it. <laughs> yeah, worn one of the he searched for his um, disguises. Yeah, and um, yeah. it's one of the first hints that this episode is going to be more than a uh, bomb investigation. Mm. You're going to get interesting scenes that aren't to do with the plot, and this is the first one. But Lanier lied. He lied. Yeah, he's going to repeat. Yeah, but, but what he said he had. Yeah. Netter syndrome. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's so funny. Does Netter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, JMS said that Doug Nader was amused, chagrined, and he promised swift and terrible revenge. <laughs> I will do penance later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, Lanier's so smart, though. I love Lanier. <laughs> like, he's not in this episode much, but I just... There are episodes where you just can't help but go, oh my god, Lanier is awesome, and this is one of them. Uh-huh. I'll get more into it as we go into this scene. But... That's all it takes for him to lie? I mean, that is like, it's like... You don't know how long he's been sitting sacrificing there. Sacrificing character yeah. at the expense of a joke, you know? I, I, I imagine he's been sitting there ages, and before that, you know, he, he's <laughs> he had a really bad He could have just walked up and left. Yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't be polite. Oh, I don't know, he's been... Seems like the Mimbari are getting more used to lying lately. Well, and he—he has been a rule breaker, you know. He's been riding <laughs> motorcycles through the station yeah. and yeah. drinking. Yeah, he's slowly <laughs> been going down the dark path. He's <laughs> gonna be li- like lying in a corner with a bottle later. That's right. And a bloody knife. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> like what happened? Um. Yeah, so then uh, we see Delenn arrive and Londo's trailing her. Did they? Well, come no, he's from not the really. She's not following. Yeah, that's what I was I don't wondering. Know. I don't know. It was a Bimbari shuttle. Guess well, another shuttle Centauri. came on at the same time. The Centauri have to have uh, dealings with other races sometimes, so maybe Londo had to go to Membar for some reason. Because it's because later really? later didn't they say that the Centauri. What ship was leaving at the time of the explosion because Jakar was like, Yeah, maybe he was seeing somebody oh. off. Yeah, maybe he was. Yeah. Are those because if he were arriving, wouldn't Veer be there? You would think so. Also, yeah. on the touch of, um, of uh, the assistance, um, Kodoth, or no, uh, Natoth is no longer in the credits. So yeah. I would yeah. she died on Narnia. Or, yeah. <laughs> I also think what's about to happen. Sorry, actually, go through it, Will. Long. Yeah, the bomb goes off, and we see Lanier saves Delenn and Lando's life, and then you know he gets trapped on the other side of the door, and his fate is unknown at this point. Yeah, I, I, I th- sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say when I watched it this time, it kind of almost felt. Like a nice bit of writing that he says he's he'll serve penance later, and then this happens. He he saves uh, the life, and then he gets injured. It feels almost like penance. That is some strong penance. <laughs> <laughs> Man, those lies—they yeah. really pack a punch. Yeah. Um. What what 
what I love about this scene is, um, and I, I went back and I watched it a couple of times just so I could, it's really, really fast that it happens, but he pushes Delenn through, turns around, pushes Londo through, turns around again looking for more people. Yeah. Then yeah. The, it comes too. down. That just, again, Lanier is awesome. I mean, he is just yeah. a hero. And that, to me, is like a defining moment in Lanier's life right there. Like, that just shows who he is as a person. It doesn't matter the little Netter syndrome thing earlier. This is who Lanier is. And you you can't help but love him because yeah. of it. Yeah, he said he values all life. So. Yes, even that, oh. even that annoying guy, I bet he would have pulled him out, too. Oh, he totally would have. Yeah, he was that. Uh... I didn't notice all of that the first time, how he turned back around and looked, but the second time I caught it. Yeah, uh, just, he doesn't just think about what's immediately in front of him. He's, you know, he's thinking maybe there'll be more people there. And it's a really nice sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> After the commercial, they're taking Lanier out. Londo wants Lanier to get the best care possible because he... I didn't have to say Londo. And next, Garibaldi has figured out that some kind of, the same kind of explosive we used as the one earlier. So they're going to backtrace the explosive using a molecular code that all commercial explosives have. Doctor gives him a status, doctor gives a status report as Suzu finally tells about the calls they received. Seems like they would have mentioned that to Sheridan sooner, but I don't know. I guess it's her job to take care of that kind of stuff. Um, Sheridan wants them to do whatever they have to do. They're going to not have groups larger than 10 people in the hallways and their other orders being given. And we see somebody watching a video feed. Must be the bomber. Dun, dun, dun. Especially since I think they said something about the bomber in the dialogue mm. as you're shown yeah. the side of his face. <laughs> yeah. There's something about this um, sequence which struck me this time. It's more the procedures they're putting in place to limit damage and, you know, limit movement, which is actually instilling more fear than just the bombs themselves. Well, yeah, uh, not only that, but it's also it's it's also causing more restrictions on people, which is what terror does i mean like in order to keep people safe you basically have to control them more yeah and i wish they had explored that a little bit more in this episode it's very interesting that it's happening at the moment it's an immediate bomb threat that actually triggers this sort of reaction from our heroes and it's it's understandable but at the same time you're actually imposing restrictions on people that are actually worsening the situation in some ways. Next, Dr. Franklin's giving Delenn an update on Lanier's condition. He's still unconscious. Turns out his bone structure on his head is what saved him. He's a built-in helmet. <laughs> <laughs> well, for that part of the head, I mean, right. anything to the top of the head, you know, you're just completely exposed. Uh-huh. <laughs> Oh, very effective. <laughs> it even has like a target there, you know? Same <laughs> <laughs> <Aim> here. <laughs> Delenn gets called away to speak to the next of kin of some of them and Bari who died. 
As we see two scenes that are pretty <laughs> funny, Jakar is telling Garibaldi that the Centauri must have done it. And then we see Londo telling Sheridan and Ivanova that the Narn must have done it. I felt like I was back in season one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the plot is season one plot, really, isn't it? <laughs> Sheridan doesn't like that someone might be trying to use this for their own political advantage. I think he After means Londo a- might be using it. Yeah. I don't think he means someone. I think he means yeah. Londo. Yeah. <laughs> it's the diplomatic use of someone, even though yeah. everyone knows who that someone is. Even Londo knows. Uh, someone rhymes with Mondo. <laughs> someone who I'm looking at right now. Someone with funny hair. <laughs> When Lando leaves, Susan tells Sheridan that things are pretty bad out there. People are scared, so Sheridan wants them to figure out what that message means and who's trying, whatever message is being sent, what it means and who's trying to send it. And next we're in Med Lab where Lando wants to talk to Lanier to see if it'll help him come around. And he's grateful for what Lanier did and he tells him a terrible joke before he has to take a break. (laughs) I was like, please, Lanier. Wake up. I can't take any more of this. Um, now, Londo says no one's ever saved my life before, but Lanier's already saved his life once. And, I mean, not yeah. not so overtly and physical, but in quality yeah. of mercy. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is kind of a more direct action. Yeah, yeah. But it just goes to show that. that Londo doesn't really pay attention to little things like that. You know, like, it's it takes something very overt and obvious you know he doesn't pick up on all the things that people are doing for him which again you know I think this episode is really good at showing um, the real nature of people and that shows the real nature of Londo is that he doesn't understand what people are like until it hits them over the hits them over the head so he he doesn't realize what Lanier's done for him until it's okay this is very obvious there was an explosion he saved me you know so these subtle things that people have done for him he doesn't see that as favors or anything i'm sorry when did lanier save him before i don't remember uh it was quality of mercy hang on is that the one the gambling one i'm I'm, yeah yeah. that's the one where he lies for london yeah and another instance of lanier lying i don't remember yeah and that's that was the one where Lando showed his appendages or oh, yes. used them to cheat. Okay. Oh, but it's also Lando doesn't pick up on what people are doing unless it's directly in relation to himself. Yeah. So do you think we're supposed to Centauri take that from Prime. this, or maybe just the writer didn't think of it about it? I don't know. Um, I'm thinking because this was written by JMS. I'm assuming, right? Mm-hmm. He wrote like yeah, almost everything yeah. at this point. I'm thinking it's quite possible that this this subtlety was in there. I, I'll give GMS a lot of credit um, in, in that regard. Uh, but, you know, I don't think it was meant to be an overt thing. I don't think it was meant to be like, well, this is obvious. Everyone would see this. I think this is just one of those things that, you know, super fans are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. But look at that. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Um, it's mentioned in the Lurker's Guide, which um, I'm sure you guys have spoken about the Lurker's Guide and how it was basically, you know, essentially Wikipedia 
for yeah. Babylon 5 back yeah. then. And they're all online, you know, text files that you can go through. Not Heidi and uh, Elizabeth, but, you know, <laughs> I can. <laughs> <laughs> Rub it in. When when you rewatch the series, though, you will enjoy going through the Lurker's Guide because it's 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 put together better than most uh, most fan wikis, you know, and uh, it, it's very well put together. And it, I trust it more than any other source, unless it comes from JMRS himself. Well, and that's the other thing; it has everything JMS has said about each episode. Yeah, I can't remember whether it's being updated. Currently, though, because he yeah, has I said, don't think I don't think it is. Yeah, yeah, he has said things in the past few years that aren't on there. Yeah, the the one for this episode was last updated uh, 2011. Okay, so not too long yeah. ago, at least. Yeah, that's not too bad. Apparently, the joke was was fans came up with the joke, and he just decided to put it in the show. I guess it was going around on the message boards. Maybe I think that's what <laughs> said. Wow. Seems like nowadays writers would be too afraid of a lawsuit to do something like that because they could get sued for <laughs> using something. Oh, here's, here's that thing. Horrible joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, another scene with Londo and Lanier, by the way, contains a small nod to the online fans of the show. We can't and won't use story ideas, but there's been so much humor, reams and reams of it, every imaginable, imaginable kind of joke, that I drop one of these jokes into an episode. One that's come up a lot, uh, come up at a lot of conventions and on the nets endlessly. Yes, that's right. He called the internet the nets back then. Uh, just to <laughs> yeah, acknowledge but the it was fans, the Neil Yes, it was. Well, that's that's you know you, you you can obviously see when it was said. You know, uh, I don't know actually for certain the origin of the joke. It was all over the nets and the BBSs. Again, there's another reference to how old this is uh uploaded places with several gazillion other light bulb jokes after i'd made the original version of this show this in the show uh which i figured i'd drop into the episode since it was so common and associated with the nets well <laughs> this is just making me laugh he keeps calling it the nets well in the uk yeah. i met a young man who said that he had been the first with that variation i have no reason not to believe him a couple other people sent emails saying that they had also come up with that one. <laughs> it's kind of ob- obvious, I guess. But again, I have no way of knowing what's true because it was all over the place, never with attribution. Oh, 1990. Yeah. Well, that's Yeah, we call that sort of thing memes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is a word that's older than the Nets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love it. <laughs> oh, uh, one last thing for you also. Um, this is more of the new Med Bay set. No longer do we have the the set of curtains. Um, <laughs> there's actually walls here. <laughs> and a lovely little window to look in yeah. on the patient. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sorry, right underneath the joke thing, it says, uh, JMS says, Londo wasn't on Mimbar. He was seeing someone off on a ship going to Centauri Prime. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there, there it is. There we go. Next, Garibaldi says that another bomb went off and there were no fatalities. They don't think it was a professional. Maybe he's just trying to create fear. Wait, did another bomb go off or did they discover a bomb that hadn't gone off? I thought... 
it went off, but there was they found out about it before. And they got it clear, like yeah. okay. got the area clear. I think. Right. Yeah. Got it clear before the bomb okay. went off. Yeah. So then Marishi pops up on the screen uninvited. Yes, he did. <laughs> 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 turns out that the explosions were stolen from an ice mining operations and they were used in another attack on Proxima 3. So there's going to be some more investigation. Ivanova thinks that this guy, whoever's doing it, probably stuck around to see us work and she has an idea for how to search all the footage for this guy. Yeah, well, it's comforting that, um, that you know, the government's oversight of people has not uh, gone to the point where they can search everything for one face mm-hmm. uh, in 200 years. I would think that they probably w- would be able to do that in 200 years. <laughs> well, yeah. I I like how uh, Sheridan's like, well, just have a computer do it. Yeah, but even yeah. then we can't do it. But can't you insert some sort of parameters? No, we can't because of this. I, I kind of like it's almost addressed. It's like, but we have all this technology. Garibaldi, yeah. it has to be able to be done. And, and it's kind of neat. Uh, it's kind of fun thinking, yeah, if this was a CSI show, it'd be all done by computers, or you'd have a snazzy montage with yes. music <laughs> behind it. Every time what? I think of CSI montages now, I always think of um, that line from Castle. And he's like, shouldn't there be music playing? In CSI, there's always music playing. I was just thinking about what could have been going on when Marishi popped up on the screen. What if they were having some kind of like secret discussion about whatever <laughs> shadows or whatever? Yeah, anything could have been going on. Anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hopefully this is like a very was it, was, just... wasn't this in like Sheridan's office or something? I think so. Yeah, he needs to fix that. Uh, Put a, like a curtain over the screen. I know it's a seriously <laughs> flawed system where people can just pop in on you. Well, maybe maybe it's like Skype, you know. Um, when you're telling secrets, you put it on Do Not Disturb. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so people can't call you. And when it's not, you know, they can just call you. Of course, uh, there's no answer. ringing. It's no just, answer. boom, there you are. I yeah. Think I, I, <laughs> think actually, um, I think it could be CNC. So they call CNC and then CNC puts the call through to wherever the people are. Yeah, and I guess CNC knows that yeah, they're they're expecting this call. Yeah, and and no Clarence again. Where's Clarence? Oh, oh no! I know that voice we were hearing wasn't Clarence. Mm. <laughs> so, uh, a little bit more information about the monks, by the way. While we were talking, uh, New Mallory is actually a real abbey. It's in Iowa. Ooh. Yeah. Um. They. Where Captain Kirk is from. <laughs> They're in the same universe. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, they they have a website, newmallory.org. Um, you know, they support themselves with farming and making wooden caskets, and you can buy one. And yeah, no, it's and and the co- the costumes, the uh, the robes are de- exactly dead on perfect. Uh, and yeah, they definitely use the actual Abbey for inspiration. Mm, they should start doing computer programming, though. Yeah, Just well, bring it closer to Babylon Five. Yeah, well, you know, maybe maybe that's the the direction they'll be going in the future. Um, and Theo was named for Vincent's brother. Oh, Vincent Van Gogh's brother. All right, sorry. There's a a little out of order okay. thing here. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't know was, that. Is there any reason why? 
Uh, I'm trying to find it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I mean, Vincent Van Gogh's brother was very important to him. Um, uh, uh, oh, here we go. I've always liked the name Theo from Vincent's brother. So there's the, there was the sound of it. Also the sense of it in that Theo was a guide, a counselor, a confidant, which Theo might have come to be in this. And finally, Theodore means I just lapsed on the actual definition, but either chosen favorite of God or messenger of God. I have to check my dictionary of names, which is apropos. So this is a direct quote from JMS. Uh, Theo actually means gift of God uh, or gift from God. So there you go. It, it's it's because of Vincent Van Gogh's brother, and he likes the sound of it. Okay. Yep. Awesome. Next, we see Londo watching Lanier sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so Franklin's not around, so somebody has to watch them sleep. <laughs> and uh, that's not Bill Mumy. Oh, yeah. uh, his father had passed away recently, and um, he thought it would be too difficult for him to film those scenes because they were too close to the end of his father's life. So they yeah. built a composite for all of those scenes. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of yeah. neat that they did that. Oh, and speaking of, uh, you, you guys mentioned the fact that Franklin's not around. You get uh, another doctor earlier telling Londo, don't touch anything. Yeah. Oh, yes. That was well, really funny. He's fiddle with stuff. I know. Yeah, he's touching yeah. things. And she's like, no, no. Just, yeah. No. I don't trust It's you. just really, really nice. Uh, you know, there's fleshing out the crew a bit. You know, you get these little side characters. And just... and and Lando is like, Dr. Franklin said it's okay, you know? And she's just like, <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I'll go check on that. <laughs> Dr. Franklin. Franklin, um... did you let crazy hair come in here? <laughs> Let me see. Yeah. I forgot to look her up. I, I didn't see her on the cast list, actually. She was Modern Family, Shameless, Southland. She was, yeah, there are a lot of guest appearances. Desperate Housewives, Monk. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Law and Order at some point? Probably. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Londo has to leave. And Ivanova asks, she's asking Brother Theo and his guys to look over their security footage because they said earlier they were going to earn their way. Again, nice little moments here with the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You remind me of that guy Draw we met last year. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I, I like this little subplot because, again, it shows how good Ivanova is as a representation for 2IC. Um, she's definitely taking care of business. Ivanova's always right. We all know this. Um, she's taking care of business. She's doing things and she's able to think outside the box and she has the idea. All right, we're going to use these people. And she's got a good rapport with them. But then I also love Theo because he shushes her. <laughs> and like, Did yeah, you just shush yeah. Ivanova? <laughs> I know. You've got a character who can stand up to Ivanova. You've got to give them credit. You know, and, and Theo doesn't have many seats. I mean, Overall, if you look at it, it's not like there's that many scenes of him in this episode, but he's made a huge impression on all of us. And I think this is all of these little subtleties are the reason why. Next, we see Londo about to get on an elevator, but he runs into Jakar. <laughs> and so he's going to take another elevator and a look on Jakar's face. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
but a bomb goes off and he has to leap on to Jakar's elevator before the blast Yeah, is. but if you watch it, like, he really doesn't want to get on that elevator. No, because no. <laughs> He's, like, trying to figure out where else did I go. There's a bomb going off, but I still don't want to go there. Yep. Although the elevator must be a little psychic because, well, written as soon as a bomb go off, it automatically shut. And... We know all the doors on the station are psychic, though. That's right. <laughs> There's somebody there. The elevator. The, ele- the late <laughs> elevator. The late. Okay. Okay, plucky duck. <laughs> uh, so the elevator's damaged and Londo gets knocked down unconscious. Franklin's giving Ivanova a damage report. They don't know if anybody's on the elevators that are down. They're they were really showing off the um, composite CGI they had in this scene because they just left it on for so long. Mm. Wait, which scene was this? Basically, a brief scene where Lon- uh, um, Franklin oh. and Ivanova are talking. It lingers on this wide shot of half a floor missing. Oh, yeah. right, 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 yeah. Yeah, that looked pretty cool. Yeah. Apparently really there was... There was a a big uh, debate over this, and a a bunch of people said, oh, you can totally tell that the fire is CGI, and JMS says, nope. That's that's how it's written out, by the way, with a bunch of O's. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Here's how that shot was done. We built a miniature hallway. Actually, miniature ain't the right word. It was something like 30 feet long or more. (laughs) Painted it. Yeah, painted it so it looked exactly like the regular B5 hallways. On film, you absolutely can't tell the difference. Then we mounted the hallway vertically alongside the outside of the main building here, set the camera at the top, pointing down into the hall. We built a firebomb and set it at the far end of the hallway on the bottom, in other words. We then set off the firebomb with all proper authorities present so that it shot up the length of the vertical hall. We overcranked the camera so it starts slow. Sorry. It would start in slow motion <laughs> and then pulled the plug so that the camera slowed down to normal speed, giving the sense of the fire swelling and then suddenly rushing forward with a huge fireball. So when it looks like the hallway is on fire, it is real fire. Next, we shot uh, Londo, Peter, against a blue screen reacting to this and then diving to his left when we comp the blue screen into the hallway and use cgi to build a transport tube door to londo's left which then closed just as the fire reached it it was an utterly immense amount of work for basically a five second shot but it looks way cool so that explains why they stay on the shot because they're like dude we put a lot of work into this <laughs> yeah i mean not just that shot i meant the um other one later where you also got the hole in the floor and Ivanova and Franklin are going through what's been going on Yeah, uh, it, it looks like um, a similar sort of effect and it just really works mm-hmm. yeah I thought all that stuff worked really well the only yeah. thing that didn't work was the CGI shot out in space where they are fixing stuff that's the only thing that did or where they are taking the bomb out later or something like that well it's still really hard to do um people in CGI at the, this point I mean even now it, you know it, it doesn't look real at the time it was probably one of the most difficult things to do yeah but still okay uh, I, 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 I have no problem with like the outer space scenes ever 
because they they all look the same to me and i'm impressed at what they were and for this season they actually look really good well some of them look a lot better than other ones and um like the big the opening shot looked great yeah it looked really good yeah i can't figure out what's happening half the time so when we're in the outside shots i'm like okay what is that what are we doing (laughs) yeah Oh, sorry, my mic was muted. <laughs> we were wondering. Like, this is the part where Will talks. Right. <laughs> so we see Londo, uh, yeah, Londo wakes up and tries to get the lift going again and tries to call out to somebody, and Jakar's just watching. I <laughs> like the look on Jakar's face. And Londo, just... too. He's, like, completely trying to ignore the fact that Jakar is there until he realizes there's nothing else he can do. Yeah, it's it's a great scene. It it really is one of the best scenes in all of Babylon 5. Yes, this is the scene. And I had completely forgotten about this scene until we watched it, until I watched this episode, and I was like, oh, yes. I I always remember this scene, but I don't remember which episode it's in. So as we're watching this, and the fireball happens, and he's running towards, I'm like, this is it! This is that episode! Oh my gosh, I love this! And in my head, this this the time that we see them together is a lot longer than we actually see them on screen. (laughs) Oh, it's it's the same way. You know, I almost remember it as a whole episode in yeah. of itself. Yeah. That's Honestly, what it feels would, to me. I would have rather seen more of this and less of the bomber. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. maybe, yeah. maybe in in your own uh headcanon as as it has happened with many of us bands, it will become that. You will yeah. remember it as this was the whole episode. <laughs> I like that idea. And it's that's the reason- what it feels like. <laughs> it's the reason I wanted you to live tweet this episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Did you think, Heidi, that um like what did were you expecting Jakar to do something to Londo? No, I was actually expecting them to have to work together to get out. Uh, like okay. I thought that that's where it was gonna go. I was like, okay, they're gonna you know, they're gonna have it call a truce for this one instance or something and then no. Mm-mm. Nope. Because because Jakar is just so perfect in that it's it's you know I want to see you die yeah he's like well why didn't you just kill me then because of the terms oh it was it was so perfect yeah he's so smart and conniving and I just love Jakar in this scene so I much. love the laughter oh my god oh he's so oh. happy to see him in pain yes and that's all Andreas Katsoulis because. Yes. The great bit about this is it's a happy accident that JMS had intended it to be very serious. He heard laughter on the set when he was doing a walk around, wondering what scene was that. I haven't written a scene with this sort of thing going on. He saw, you know, went over to the scene, um, talked to a few people who said, it's hilarious, you've got to see this. He wasn't sure about it. As soon as they started doing a take. JMS loved it. I thought it was hilarious. Everyone on the set was laughing. Mm-hmm. That and that's all awesome. Andreas Katsoulis. It's like, I hear you. Oh, <laughs> yeah. It was cracking me up. Andreas yeah. Katsoulis was such a good actor. Um, and in all the roles that he did, you could see it. I mean, and he often was acting through makeup, but 
I feel like Jakar was the, or so far for me of what I've observed, the pinnacle of his acting career. And I don't think he won awards for it, but he should have won all the awards for playing yes. Jakar. All, all of them. All yeah. the awards. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I, uh, sorry, I had another thought to go with this and it's completely gone. Oh, that's it. And uh, I don't know whether uh, Brad from Intro Direct has seen this, but every time I hear um, him doing Teleco, it reminds me of Jakar in this scene. <laughs> oh, because the, yeah, yeah, I can see yeah. that. Because he's he's talking, but he's so amused. So he has the voice up here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, a- another note I have is that uh, Jakar's song in the elevator is based on a ditty yeah. he sang at the beginning of the Parliament of Dreams. Yes, yeah, I was. Yeah, I do remember saying. that. Yeah. Sorry, I'm stealing all your trivia bits. Oh, it's all right. It's, it's great. <laughs> I love the Lurker's Guide. It's a nice little callback. Yep. So Brother Theo, it, they found one guy who was at the site of every ex- explosion. He's Robert J. Carlson. It was Garibaldi. Carlson. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? I said it was Garibaldi. Yeah, Garibaldi <laughs> was, was at every explosion. No. <laughs> like this guy here. He was right there here. every time. <laughs> Carlson was hired shortly before by the engineering and station maintenance division. They're going to pull his employee jacket and assemble a tag team. Uh, yeah, this is when uh, Jakar sings the Not Many Fishes song. Mm. It's awesome. <laughs> the look on Londo's face while he's singing. <laughs> I, have a, I have a question for the newbies. Uh, what, what are your thoughts about uh, Londo's fear of dying here? About Londo's fear of dying? Is that what you yeah. said? Sorry, you cut out a little bit. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Londo's fear of dying here. Did I cut out again? No. No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't... I mean, I guess I didn't have any thoughts about it. I ju- it just seemed like somebody that didn't want to die. Um, I feel like whenever a Londo is in a uh, sort of death situation, I'm always just thinking, well, he knows the moment that he's going to die, and it's not now, so... That was my thought. That was my thought. <laughs> so I'm always, I'm always just kind of like, okay, well, he knows that he's going to die, like with his hands wrapped around Jakar's throat and Jakar's hands wrapped around his, or whatever, and that he's old. And so I would feel like, to me, he should just know, okay, well, this isn't the time. So something's going to happen to get me out of it. Or if it's the time, it's us choking each other and not the right. Mom. So maybe it could end like that. Maybe he was waiting for that moment to happen. (laughs) Well, that's why I was surprised. Like when he wakes up after being unconscious for two hours, he finds out he was unconscious for two hours. And he says, have you done nothing? And I was sure he meant like, you didn't do anything to me. You know, I was (laughs) laying here asleep for two hours. But what he meant was just, have you not tried to get out? You know? Uh No. (laughs) And I, I love that Jakar, is willing to die just to see Lando die. Yep. You know, part of me is actually thinking, you know, uh, that maybe he doesn't know whether the dream is actually going to come real or not. So he's got to take every situation seriously as a life and death situation if it is. So that he, you think he's actually has doubt over his premonition? I think at this point, definitely. Okay. Um, my thought is has always been that 
he just forgets about it because he's scared. <laughs> but I know a lot of people make a big deal over it. Every time Londo's life is in danger, they make a big deal about him being afraid to die. And they're like, but he knows. And I'm like, yeah, but he's a little scaredy cat. That's true. <laughs> like, he he's so profoundly touched by what Lanier did. And again, he he knew... If you if you go to the premonition, he knew that's not how he was going to die. So in, instead of him saying, "Well, this is obviously divine intervention," you know, it, and and not giving credit to Lanier, he's still touched, you know. So I think his emotions get in the way of logical thinking. And he he's so alive as well because he's so he lives so much in the present, and he yeah. he does all he can to indulge in the pleasures of life. He really doesn't want to die. Yep. Yeah, to get our Joss Whedon quotient in this week, quote, um, the lady who's uh, in the med bay bossing Londo around, she was in an episode of Angel called Billy. Mm-hmm. She played a detective. Which one's mm. Billy? Oh, okay. That's the one That's with the... One. the... Yeah, oh, well, just in case anyone hasn't watched it, we're about to go into Angel. <laughs> <laughs> That's the one with the guy that Angel gets out of... Uh, get him out of hell or somewhere yeah, like, from the yeah park. hell dimension yeah and he turns out to be like a really bad guy which obviously because mm. hello yeah, Wolfram and Hart want him out <laughs> <laughs> yep okay back to B5 <laughs> uh, Garibaldi says that Carlson Carlson is a loner a quiet guy he's had some disciplinary incidents they're closing in on his quarters, uh, he and Sheridan. Why is Sheridan going down here? But uh, he and Sheridan and everybody. Yeah, when he's talking about who this guy is and he gives the line, um, he's a quiet guy. I cannot remember which show it is, whether it's Babylon 5 or something else, but they, there's a line out there which says, save me from quiet loners. <laughs> I yeah. I remember that line, but I cannot remember what it's from at all. That's a great line. I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This explosion happens, and uh, Carlson is broadcasting, I guess, over the PA system. He warns him that he has a dead man switch, and he wants to see the captain alone and without his link. So Sheridan hides his link in his shirt and goes in. You say he hides <laughs> it in his shirt. <laughs> It is not in his shirt. It's not in his shirt. Wait, where did he put it? Because he goes to put oh. it in his shirt, and Garibaldi goes, "That's the first place he'll look." Which yeah, uh, where do you want me to put it? <laughs> and he looks at his butt, and he's like, "Okay." And and yep. it, it stops yeah, again, communicating when he sits on it. Down. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he goes in, and Garibaldi wants C and C to. Receive only from Sheridan's link and not let anyone page the captain. <laughs> yeah, Claire. Yeah. Which is good that they include that because, like, I feel like, you know, so often when there's like cell phones or communicators, like, they never talk about that. Or, you know, you yeah. often have somebody calling in the middle. Deborah is going to pop up on the screen. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> oh, and, and I all... forgot. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that it also shows. Um, Sheridan's insistence on trying to stand, say, stay standing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. does. Um, I forgot to mention. Apparently, if you have the PAL versions of these DVDs, when um, the monks are looking at all the monitors, they're blank. 
Mm. Really? You can't actually see anything, so. Oh. It's, a, it, it's a goof. Okay, well, I can't remember whether they had them or not. I, I, I should have paid more attention. I know, you're, you're, you're the one with the other region. I know, <laughs> I know. Uh, he, 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 Brother Theo kind of takes over the whole scene. Yeah. <laughs> Inside Carlson's quarters, Sheridan... He's getting, he's getting Sheridan to take off his clothes to make sure they're not being monitored. Although all Sheridan does is unbutton yeah. his shirt a bit. Yeah. I, I half expect, you know, unbutton your shirt. Turn around. Slowly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he's got that little boy lost look and he's just like, Yeah. You want me to do what? Anyway. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't worry, don't worry, Sheridan. <laughs> Just imagine the lens in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Wait, what's the ritual for that? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, it, it's just a shame this bummer is your stock standard late 80s, mid 90s bummer. Yep. Carlson comes out of his quarters and you see a million monitors in, his, <laughs> in that one room he was in. Robert Carlson is paid by Patrick Kilpatrick. He's been, you know, guest starring a lot of things. He's going to be in an episode of the Sarah Connor Chronicles. Or he's an episode, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, his, his uh, was... IMDb is nothing but small part of angry man <laughs> or, <Yeah>. or assassin <laughs> or murderer or yeah. I don't know if he so was channeling. So I was going to say, does he just shout all his lines then? Yeah. <laughs> Every show he's in, he, he's just at full volume. I don't know if he was channeling John Malkovich or something, but just the way he was kind of doing his head and shouting just reminded me of yeah, John Malkovich for some reason. He says the bomb is somewhere you'll never find it as long as his finger's on the switch. There'll be no boom. <laughs> I guess he'd been listening to Ivanova or something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe everyone who works on the station gets the Ivanova speech. <laughs> yeah. He was an engineer. He wants a ship, and something he says, I don't remember what, gives Garibaldi an idea about where to look for the bomb. Uh, it'll blow bright. up like the sun or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Sheridan wants to settle it between the two of them, but Carlson wants an audience. He says people need to understand fear. I have a note that says it's getting sexual here. I don't know what that means. Maybe he was getting up in Sheridan's face at this point. I don't know. It was, More fan fiction. He, <laughs> <laughs> um, he looks past. Oh, he shoots. Yeah, past Sheridan's face. But Garibaldi keeps his uh, men from going in. And then Carlson starts whining about how he was a loser back home. And... You see Garibaldi's men looking for the bomb. Uh, when, I think, was this the bit CGI that you were talking about? <coughs> Sorry. Or maybe the next scene. Oh, I think it, yeah, I think it was when they were taking it out or something. Yeah. So, so Carlson's talking about you know how his wife left him and all this other stuff. Lost this job. Um, we may have seen Carlson before, if briefly. In the fall of the night, as the Earth officials arrive, there's a man in the arrival area. He's slapped by a woman and walks. And walks after her when she leaves. The man bears some re- resemblance to Carlson without the beard. Perhaps the woman was his wife. 
<laughs> so more of that, like the background characters are not just background characters. Yeah, no, that is a really nice thing. Again, I've seen this so many times. I have always missed out that little nugget. Oh, I love how how many times that happens, though. That that JMS put something in the background, even if it's not the same actor. It's 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 somebody that looks like him, so or or has the same kind of look, so that people can go oh it's that but i i think that there's so many subtleties that he puts into this that most people don't you know you're not going to pick that up but if you're going to tear through it you will which is is neat for a show of the time because you know we didn't have dvds but people were taping them off the tv with the vhs's although there is a slight um change to his characters if that was his one because he was off on Proxima doing bombing, so yeah. his wife leaving isn't the reason he's bombing. He just likes to bomb things. Yeah, that that part always seemed like a disconnect to me, because it. Why would he do bombings on Proxima and then be working here for a while? Because they said, you know, oh, he's been working for us. He has access to these areas, so I can't imagine that he just arrived started working and this has all happened within a week you know it just it it seems a little odd to me and it makes me wonder well maybe he's using the same uh explosive that were used in proxima but maybe it wasn't the same guy yeah i think Uh, it said he started on january 11 it can't be that far into the year yet yeah maybe he heard about the bombings and um you know took inspiration hmm they so, said he started on January 11th, you said? I think so, yeah. Oh, okay, because this is supposed to take place between the uh, 13th and the 14th, I think it said. So you got right to it then. Yeah. <laughs> so how does he have access to all of these places right away? I'm confused. Well, yeah. <laughs> how, he, he got vetted pretty easily. Yeah, seriously. So I honestly didn't care enough about this guy to think of all of that. (laughs) I was just annoyed by him and was like, okay, Buffy needs to go and give him the Jonathan speech where, like, everybody else is hurting too and you're dumb. So stop it. And you're dumb. You're not special. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I think the whole point of this character was they're so on edge that they're expecting it to be part of a big overarching plot but it's just some crazy you mean when you say you you mean the viewers <laughs> yeah. well i and 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 the people on the uh on the station you know like yeah, sheridan like is expecting, expecting it, it to be no i know years. but i mean that's what i was expecting too that's what i yeah. mean like yeah yeah um Ivanova actually asked is it free mars is it um home guard, home guard? Yeah. yep mm. All excellent choices for this episode. Yeah, hot, hot and random. <laughs> which, which, by the way, I guess is a little bit like Jonathan and Buffy because you know Buffy's trying to deal with this overarching plot, and she ends up dealing with Jonathan, and uh-huh. that actually had nothing to do with the plot. Right. It just happened to be a um, a, a what's it a dinner lady? A what? Are we, um... Oh, cafeteria lady, yeah. Oh, yeah. D- dinner lady. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Spoiler yeah, sorry, alert. Yeah. Worst that, climax cool. ever. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, yeah. it wasn't a dinner lady. 
Well, it wasn't yeah, it was. a delayed. Yeah, yes, it was, it was yeah. a delayed. Yeah, it was her. Rat poison and whatnot. Because yeah. she saw the students as vermin. <laughs> Why does um, Carlson say, if you arrest me, I'm dead already? Because he's a terrorist. I remember him saying because that. He, 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 he thinks he's lost everything else in his life. Yeah. He's... he's got nothing to live for. He's got nothing to lose. All right, yeah, so you arrest care. me and I'm in a cell forever. Or yeah. maybe there's execution as part of the punishment. I don't know. Mm. Well, I, think I think it was about, more like about... he just was already dead inside, and so it didn't matter. But also... Well, then why it... is he wanting to escape? The... I don't know. That was weird. I thought maybe like he was referring to like if he gets caught, somebody... This is what I thought originally. Like Somebody was going to kill him and silence him. So he wouldn't say like who, who he got instructions from or oh, something. Right. You were thinking he was more interesting than he is. I is guess. the problem. That's what I was hoping too, but no. <laughs> but he wouldn't think of that he'd actually end up in a cell because he's actually killed people. Yeah. He'd get a mind wipe. Oh yeah. Well that probably so, would be good for him. He doesn't you're know, I guess, so. I'm dead already. So. Yeah. So he's got no he he's willing to blow himself up because he's thinking he's gonna die anyway, because in his head, mind wipe is the same as being dead. Right, okay. Garibaldi's looking for the bomb, and Carlson's screaming, saying he wants the ship, and Sheridan wants to make a deal, but Carlson says no, and Sheridan wants to, he says, how's he supposed to know there really is a bomb, and Carlson's like, oh, there really is a bomb. Just trust me. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm I have a man. trigger in my hand. Hello? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't have this if there wasn't a bomb. Exactly, duh. <laughs> it's totally a gun in my pocket, not a candy bar. So, sorry, I'm just dealing with wires. <laughs> <laughs> Garibaldi's people find the bomb, and it's pretty big, and he tells them how to remove it. And then Sheridan tells Carlson that he won't be able to get away with it, and then this was when Sheridan Link... His link beeps, and Carlson gets mad. And yeah, and you know about- he's getting mad because he tears up his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> he's about to set the bomb off, but Sheridan fights him and stalls it long enough for them to get the bomb clear of B-5 before it detonates. And you see at one point, Sheridan kind of comes out on the losing end of the fight. And I'm just thinking, you know, Sinclair would have never lost a fist fight. (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, he would have been able to talk him down before he even got to a fist fight. Yeah. yeah. So Sheridan lets Garibaldi in and they take Carlson away. And and it says that folks are still cleaning up debris from the last explosion. And back to the elevator, Jakar and Lundo are... In pretty bad shape. Yeah, another little add-on to the last scene. Oh, yeah. Love it. Delyn goes to check up on Lanier, and there's been no change, but she tells Franklin about the bomber being caught, and Franklin starts to tell the light bulb joke, but Lanier wakes up and completes it for him. He's awake. So, <laughs> so was that a good payoff for a bad joke? And... I was no, just saying, like, very certain. <laughs> I think a lot of the reason the joke falls flat is because you've got a, a brilliant scene in this episode that's ten times funnier. Mm. That's just terrible joke. I wish um, they had me. I mean, I think... I, I don't know why, like, this is... I'm picking up on this so much, but, like, this is, like, the third time 
in two episodes that and then the, granted in this episode like there's real good reason but like that Delenn is so like mother hen over Lanier you know yeah. like twice in the last episode and, and then of course in this episode where it's really necessary you know she's just like very worried about him and it's just interesting like their dynamic agreed yeah her reaction when he got trapped on the other side she was really scared well, and it just shows what a great actress she is like I don't think that she gets as much credit for acting as uh, she probably deserves because her character is very very cold and controlled so you don't see that much but you can see she is pained on her face she is worried like seriously worried and so that just shows that that she can actually act pretty well I think well for me when I actually paid attention to her acting on B5 was when she appeared on Lost because when she first appeared there I thought why is she overacting so much? And then <laughs> I kind of had to realize, no, she's just actually acting here. It's just Delenn is so, as you said, so controlled. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, French lady. It's like between Danielle Rousseau and Jean Luc Picard. I don't know what French people sound like. Oh, jeez. <laughs> yes, I love how in Star Trek. Um, French people all have British accents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, Bashir, Picard. Maybe well, in the future. Yeah, basically, we <laughs> British in history did control a good portion of France, so perhaps we do again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I like how you started that out with a we. It's like, mm, yeah, yeah, we we conquered them again. So is that is that on every uh, Englishman's uh, mind that oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah we'll have the last laugh. <laughs> um, it's not something that you know is a big part of my identity, but it's a big bit of British culture in a way that there is a simmering animosity towards France and it's kind of it's not taken too seriously nowadays but you know there are portions of our society that are out there that kind of really do hate the French so it's like Yankee fans and Red Sox fans okay <laughs> I made a sports joke yes. oh, wow <laughs> the sports joke on a sci-fi podcast never for me, that that is surprising. <laughs> I guess for me, for my region where I grew up, at least it would be Saints Falcons or something like that. The rivalry, mm. that's football. <laughs> um, I, I know the Saints. <laughs> my my husband has one of their hats because their logo is really cool. Yeah, that's a better reason to like yeah. a team because they have a good logo or a good mascot mm-hmm. yeah that's totally why I like the Mets Mr. Met is like just the best mascot that's total sarcasm <laughs> <laughs> it's a baseball head <laughs> yeah, I keep trying to find my spot but that's why I'm kind of stuck <laughs> Uh, Delin says that the Centauri will probably give Lanier a medal, and yes, Lanier explains why he did what he did, but he kind of like, hmm, may have sacrificed the future to serve the present. He totally regrets saving Lanier. Yeah. Mm. 
<laughs> it's it's very interesting though that like that's that's his first thought after waking up, you know, because his instinct is to just save people, and mm-hmm. then as he wakes up, it kind of shows he's been thinking about this for a while that well okay, yeah he maybe had Londo sit. is to blame. He had to sit and listen to Londo talk. I mean, that in and of itself made him regret it. That's true. <laughs> That's one thing that Londo can do, though. Yeah. And uh, I kind of like that this was the last scene coming up. We'll see some guy find Londo and Jakar, and Jakar doesn't seem very happy, and they have a pretty New Year's change. I love that. Which I copy, uh, but... <laughs> yeah, Jakar lets out a scream of frustration. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, damn it. Because just before the guy finds him, he's looking over to see, are you dead yet? I could just yeah. imagine him actually asking you that. Yeah. They, they they each scream, and one, it's it's a complete relief, and the other, it's just like, are you kidding me? Still alive. Was willing to die just so he'd die. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a lovely little mini Easter egg in the dialogue here about, um, you know, something that was told to Londo before he came to uh, Babylon 5. You know, it's an e- it'd be an easy assignment and a long way. Oh, yeah. And- <laughs> That's true. Well, yeah. yeah, if he didn't get involved with Morton, he would just be drinking and having yeah. fun. All right. Now that's the end of the episode. We did have another Bill Blair sighting. Just, well, he was in the episode. I don't know if we had a sighting actually. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have any quotes? Oh, I think there might be a couple. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the whole episode? <laughs> well, not the whole At episode. The... Just the whole episode as it should be. Exactly. The whole episode as we remember it. Yeah, yeah let's do the whole episode. <laughs> Who gets to go first? Who's going to do? You do. Yeah. Okay, I'm totally taking the big one then. <laughs> uh, there, you see, I'm going to live. So it would seem, well, it's an imperfect universe. Bastard. Monster. Fanatic. Murderer. You are insane. And that is why we'll win. Go be the ambassador to Babylon 5, they say. It will be an easy assignment. I hate my life. So do I. Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, how many times I've said lately, I hate my life. (laughs) Thank you, Mondo. (laughs) Um, I have the exchange at the beginning. Garibaldi, let me get this straight. You two are missionaries? Drazi. Yes, great sign. We hear you have recent visitation by Drazi Higher Bean. Garibaldi. Yeah, yeah, Drabanka. <laughs> Drazi. Drashala. Garibaldi. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, really? I'm sure there's more to this, but it's just a snippet from the earlier bit of Gar- uh, Jakar and Londo. It- Can anyone hear us? I hear you. Giggle, giggle, laugh, laugh. Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) It's so good. It's pretty. It's just relishing in Londo's torture and pain. And I just love it. Oh, yeah. Okay, I have another one from that same scene. 
Jakar, as the humans say, up yours, die. <laughs> <laughs> and my comment to that was, I hope that uh, 200 years in the future that the humans don't still say, up yours. <laughs> <laughs> Any other ones? Oh, did you have any will? Oh, yeah. I haven't been taking this oh. <laughs> oh, That's why I oh, went with dear. one not from that scene. <laughs> oh, um, well, I also really like, um, it's right before the joke. It's, I heard a good joke today. I probably shouldn't repeat it. But who are you going to tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't um, want to repeat the joke. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't and need to do that. I can't repeat Londo's full thing, but it's oh. his line of, but if I try and go back and figure out it, I think I'll start breathing from my ears. Yes. I love that part too. <laughs> <laughs> and I have Garibaldi at the beginning. He says, Zach, do me a favor and explain the missionary uh, position to these folks. <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. another good uh garibaldi one where it's like look we play this one by the book the lights go out somebody just rewrote the book <laughs> <laughs> those are those are like classic Garibaldiisms. <laughs> yeah excellent quotes this episode definitely oh oh and then sorry there's another one how do you feel as though a great many heavy objects had fallen on me but i suspect i'll live uh-huh. <laughs> All right, let's do our characters of the week. Who is our human of the week? Theo, Theo, Theo. Theo. Yeah, yeah, Theo. 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 Oh, and who is our alien of the week? Jakar. Jakar. Yeah. Jakar. Okay. With Linear as a runner-up, but Jakar. Yeah. (laughs) Brother Theo and Jakar. Now let's do our episode ratings. Want to start us off, Nettie? All right. Um. I'm going to be completely unfair in this rating. Um, and I'm going to give it nine out of 10 Jakar's giggling simply because the elevator scene makes it go so high for me. And it, 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 I don't care about the other scenes that are not so great because it's all about the elevator scene. <laughs> well, not just all about the elevator scene. Well, have no. A couple of linear moments as well. Absolutely. Uh, what about you, Heidi? Um, I'm not going to ignore the things that I didn't <laughs> like, but I have to be on every episode of the season and Nutty doesn't. So, so she can do that. Um, <laughs> I loved what I loved about this episode. Like there was so much great stuff, but I really did not care about the bomber. Like I was just like, okay, can we like get back to the elevator? Because this is, I don't care about this guy shouting and I don't care about his horrible life. And so um, I'm going to go with a seven out of 10 falling objects. Nice. Nice. How about you, Elizabeth? Oh boy. I don't know. This is hard because <laughs> I mean, it's not like a terrible, like, cringeworthy episode in terms of like everything that wasn't the Londo and Jakar stuff. But at the same time, it, it could have been to me, like I get disappointed when I, I think that there could be more going on. So like for me, even if the bombing plot was okay, because it could have been 
more tied into what's going on, or there could have been a deeper meaning there, or they could have explored, you know, some of the themes of the show, or or at least tied it into other things that we're exploring. You know, to me, it was just like a one-off. You know, I kept expecting, like, there to be a payoff as to who the bomber was, or what, you know, what his motivations were, or if there's something tied into there. And maybe, maybe I'm... I'm jumping the gun and maybe, you know, later down the road, we'll find out some stuff that'll be like, whoa, crazy. But um, I can only, you know, look at this one episode. And so, although I loved the, you know, Jakar and Londo stuff, and that would get like a 10. um, Like, I was just disappointed in what happened with this. And they spent so much time, like, who, like, focusing on who is the bomber and no time on, like, really, like, like how this affects people, like whether it was, you know, increasing the security and therefore reducing people's freedoms or tying this into maybe some of the stuff that that went on, like at the beginning where they were talking about people coming there for religious reasons. I mean, it was just like this guy that lost his job and, you know, lost his marriage. And so I, I think they really dropped the ball on that one. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. But for now, I have to say I'm going to give it like a six spiritual exchange programs. All right. How about you, Ian? Yeah, I think I'm in line with everyone here. And Heidi Elizabeth, yeah, we're on here every single week, so I can't rate this a nine. But (laughs) if I have my choice, every single, almost every single episode of Babylon 5 would get nine or tens, apart from a few. But because I'm on here every single week, I have to bring the actual bad stuff into consideration. And it just, it, they feel in this episode like a MacGuffin just to get some great scenes. To have the wonderful, wonderful Jakar and Lando scene, which, if you think of the Jakar and Lando relationship, your mind first of all goes to this scene. It, it, yeah, it's it, it, it's it's character defining and it, it it's brilliant. Um, then you know you've got some great linear moments and this whole scenario gives us brother Theo. We're introduced to a great character, and for those reasons, the episode gets higher rating than it otherwise would. So I'm going to have to say seven and a half cases of Netter syndrome out of ten. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I agree. For me, the stuff that wasn't so well, most of the episode was just kind of, eh. but the stuff that was really good was really good. And I guess I probably bumped it up maybe half a point just talking about it. So I gave it eight out of ten. No booms. Well, let's hope there are any bombs in feedback land, you guys. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> Our first piece of feedback is a comment from Vord99. I'll do that one. Vord says, Is there any episode of Babylon 5 that combines such a forgettable main plot with such memorable scenes happening in the margins? The Mad Bomber is really just there to fill an episode of television, but the other stuff is among the most effective moments of anything in B5. In most episodes, the Londo and Lanier material would be the highlight, but in this one, it's outshined by that scene. Obviously, there's been no shortage of episodes in, with, in which both Londo and Jakar feature heavily, 
and we're used by this point to see Peter Jurisic and Andreas Casillas giving, along with Mira Ferlan, along the most powerful performances in the show. But we haven't actually seen them share many scenes, and there has almost always been at least one other character present. JMS showed a lot of well-judged restraint in holding the scene back until now. We're almost halfway through the story. Also, the light bulb joke is actually funny. Well, I disagree with you on that <laughs> <Sorry>. one. <laughs> uh, thanks anyway, Vord. Yeah, thanks, Vord. Great bit of feedback. You always mm-hmm. have good feedback. Our next email is from Lori and Carl. <laughs> I'll take that yeah. one. Um, hello, ambassadors, commanders, and visitor to the station. It is a bit interesting but baffling that the Lurker's Guide lists the short synopsis as A series of bombings threatens the station, and Ivanova calls on some unusual investigators to help solve the mystery. When I think of this episode, I think of two scenes. Londo talking to Lanier in Medlab and Londo and Jakar in the elevator. I find the rest somewhat forgettable, perhaps except for the introduction of the traveling monks. I do think it is interesting that B5 has now become a pilgrimage destination and a nice bit of continuing continuity from Kasha's reveal. The Drazi in search of Drashala and the humans in search of something less concrete. What do the ambassadors make of this? Predictions? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, we didn't really make... We're not good. Um, I don't know. I, 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 yeah, I really hope they explore this more. Let's just say that. Uh, Carl thought that Londa was perhaps the initial target of the first bomb and Lanier was a misdirection, but it ended up being somewhat random terrorism. Did the ambassadors think someone specific was a target at first and why B5? Um, good questions. <laughs> uh, Carl found the explosion terrorist story rather dull and the only part of the episode that was of interest was Londo, who he <laughs> finds as the most compelling character right now in the story. In the elevator scene, Carl felt that Londo came off as the more noble character and Jakar as a bit of a crazy one. What did the ambassadors think? I don't know, you guys. I'm, I think I completely understand where Jakar is coming from. Like, he is just had so much happen to him that he's just kind of like, I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I didn't see him as being crazy. What about, what about you guys? No, I think his hatred is completely sane. Mm. I had sometimes the only way to deal with, you know, everything that's happened to you is just to laugh at it. Otherwise, you will crack. Yeah, Londo is kind of oblivious. Like, you know, it's like he's like he he doesn't quite understand the effect his actions have had. You know, he's almost like surprised by his reaction. Yeah. Well, because he's Londo doesn't see what he's doing and he doesn't understand it because even when the Narn were originally subjugated uh, by the Centauri. Uh, it, it's 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 kind of like um, early American slavery, where it's well, no, this is our God given right. You know, mm-hmm. of course we're we're bringing good things to them. They couldn't live without us, and all this hogwash. You know, so when when these actions have started, he doesn't really feel the consequences of his actions because he's not seeing it. And so to him, Jakar's just being a baby, whereas Jakar lived it and he's feeling it and he knows exactly what's going on. Uh, I feel like Londo is hedonistic and he is all about living in the moment, but it's all about celebration of distraction. You know, his 
his living life and what he takes pleasure in are all distractions. Whereas Jakar is very emotional, but not in the same way as Londo. Um, and it's more tied to his people. You know, yeah, he's got his own distraction, you know, the pink panties that were found in his room. But <laughs> I mean, he he really feels for his people and he's so empathetic that he doesn't need to see the devastation to know what's happening. Whereas I think Londo, well, as long as I'm not doing the actual killing and I don't actually see it, it's not a big deal. And I don't have to think about it and I don't have to care for these people because they're just Narn and they're, and I'm putting them back into the position that they belong. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Continuing on. Um, finally, it was nice seeing more of Garibaldi doing what he does best again and saving the day. Overall, I give this episode high ratings for my two favorite scenes. Carl liked those, but felt the rest was boring. Quotes. Lanier, I will do penance later. The whole exchange is great as well. And Londo at Lanier's bedside, talking that I can do. And hope someone does the light bulb quote. <laughs> <laughs> no one did the light bulb quote. Yeah, we've stayed away from that. We went right up to it and right after it. <laughs> uh, ratings, Carl, uh, minus one cliches and misfits. Human man dozing next to Lanier in waiting room. Um, <laughs> alien Lanier and Lori eight out of ten Centauri changing a light bulb um, human Garibaldi and alien Londo thanks Lori and Carl thanks, as guys. always yeah. cheers yeah that was great next we have an email from Victor and I can take Victor's he starts this week's main plot wasn't all that interesting and sorry as a deranged man threatens to blow up the station, but with a quarter of a million humans and aliens on board, and a lot of transients and low lives living down below, you almost wonder why that doesn't happen more often. But this episode, Saving Grace, was a pairing of its resident of couple, Londo and Jakar. Londo wants to to enter an elevator but when he sees Jakar inside he wisely decides to wait for the next one. However, when an explosion sends a fireball down the corridor towards him, Londo has no good options. He can stay in the corridor and get vaporised or join Jakar in the elevator. Only by the smallest of margins did he prefer to board <laughs> the elevator. Yeah. Yeah. Trapped in the elevator, Londo and Jakar appear to be doomed to suffocate or be roasted together. I haven't seen Jakar this happy in a long time. He has a very little to lose, and nothing can please him more than to see Londo die. He even responds to Londo's request for help with an earthly expression he learned from the Earthers. The role reversal of this duo is wonderful as Londo has to play the straight man, and for once, Londo... Sorry, and for once, Jakar is a comic relief. For me, Lon the Londo-Jakar dynamic saves this episode, and I will give it a 7.5 lightbulb-changing Centaurians... Centaurians? <laughs> out of 10. Wait, aren't they from Doctor Who? 
Centaurs. <laughs> <laughs> They're Centurions from Battlestar Galactica. Aren't the Centaurs? Are they the Potato Head people? Centaurs are. So, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Victor. Victor. Yeah, Happy thanks, Victor. Victor. Should we let Nutty Nutty do one or? Oh, uh, I sure. mean, I don't know. Since there's only yeah, three you want to do one? Sure. Yeah. Uh, is it so, in the Facebook group or? I can post it in the in the Skype. chat. That'd be great. Yeah. I got no problem reading live. Awesome. I did that for two years every week. Nice. I was on a show called uh, Fredericton this week, and I would get the script like literally five minutes before the show. <laughs> And you have to like actually act. Uh, well, it was it was um, reading events and so forth. But yeah, sometimes there was there was acting and improv, and yeah, it was oh, wow. uh, it was all sorts of fun. And my favorite was having to pronounce um, First Nations words and French words because I have <laughs> no background. You know, being an immigrant, I have no background with that whatsoever. So it became a joke that everyone would just start laughing at me. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um, This is from Melanie. Okay, this is from Melanie. Hi, Down Below. I finally caught up with you just in time for a great episode in my favorite season. It's going to be hard to watch just one episode a week from now on. (laughs) Now, we know what happens when a Vorlon reveals himself. (laughs) The Drazi wanted to share the blessing, which which Zach didn't seem so fond of. (laughs) It was a blessing. (laughs) I don't like being poked. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting how long it took the staff to figure out that the bomber wanted everyone to fear him. Customs in the area where people without money for tickets live, and they started looking for political statements. Londo actually seemed to consider not entering the transport tube, even when the fire was closing in on him. Yep. Veer did much better when he ended up sharing a tube with Jakar. Someone on the set was wondering what they were filming because Jakar was laughing so much. Great acting. What was Londo doing at customs? They had just announced that a Mimbari transport had arrived, so Lanier got up to meet Delenn. For some reason, Londo was walking behind her. As we said, he was seeing someone off. Rating, 7.5. Bonus for scenes with Londo and Jakar, 0.5. Final rating, <laughs> 8 out of 10, Sparrows. <laughs> Human of the Week, Garibaldi. Alien of the Week, Lanier. Quotes. Uh, why don't you go poke the... Uh, let me try and do a good Zach. Hang on. <clears throat> uh, why don't you go poke the plant for a while while I take care of your entry <laughs> visas, okay? <laughs> and then she put the, the first quote that I did that everybody wanted <laughs> of them bickering. Uh, looking forward to the next episode. Best regards, Melanie W. Krakow, Poland. Uh, well, thanks, Melanie. Melanie. Yeah. Definitely, uh, yes, it is hard just watching one episode at a time. Mm. Well, I hope you stick with us. Yes, I think she'll be joining us later on in the season. Oh, great. Oh, fantastic. And the next email is from Derek, who will be our guest next week. Sweet. I think. Dear brothers and sisters of the Brother Theo fan club. (laughs) Yeah. I (laughs) I hope everyone is doing well after this week's episode. Not the world's greatest plot, but so many awesome tangential stories, including, you guessed it, the introduction of Brother Theo. Jakar had his usual stellar performance, and Lanier learned how much penance really sucks. (laughs) I don't think Lanier will ever lie again. After, well, he went splat against the door. A few observations. 
Number one, Marishi has the worst job on Babylon 5. <laughs> hey, <laughs> this looks like a bomb, Marishi. Go take a look. <laughs> it's like when someone says, hey, this milk smells bad. Come here and take a sniff to make sure. <laughs> Smells funny. Taste it. <laughs> <laughs> Morishi is the official milk sniffer of Babylon 5. <laughs> Hazardous job and only one week of vacation every three years. Blech. Well, at yeah. least they didn't go for the full um, 80s cliche and have him die at the end. Yes. <laughs> Number two, why would Ivanova not want the group of monks on the station? Yes, you may not agree with their religion, but they would probably cut down the crime rate and raise the property values in the neighborhood. <laughs> Plus, I bet they wear sandals all the time, making me feel right at home with my foot fashion choices. Oh. <laughs> he still wear flip-flops all the time. I don't anymore. It's bad for That was me. Not... <laughs> Three, Brother Theo and Ivanova should team up for a buddy cop TV series. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <The> tagline... <laughs> The tagline, he's a smart mouth messenger from God, and she believes she is the goddess of Babylon 5. <laughs> <laughs> Together they form the best and oddest crime fighting team in the quadrant. With her take, charge attitude, and his penchant for noticing the small things, there's nothing that can stop them. Plus, when they get into trouble, the kung fu monks of Brother Theo come to rescue them. I would watch that. <laughs> That's watch awesome. That. Yeah. <laughs> Next on Fox. <laughs> right after Baywatch Nights. <laughs> the brother epi- I mean, sorry, the episode itself started from a standard TV or movie plot about a mad bomber and became better because of the Lanier, Londo, Londo Jakar, and Brother Theo, everyone else plots. Eight out of ten blessed houseplants by Drochella, or somebody has already used that 8 out of 10 communicators inserted into Sheridan's coat. <laughs> oh, gross. <laughs> oh. Well, he did say we can hear what you had for lunch. Oh. Yeah. oh. Alien of the week are the two missionaries of Drashala, the drowsy plant blessing goddess. <laughs> Human of the week, do you even have to guess? My favorite, my fellow acolytes of the movement of Brother Theo. <laughs> Thank you for the nice invitation to Oh, okay. This is, he's explaining that he couldn't do his original episode, so he's going to be joining us next week. Everyone seems to, seems like they enjoy being on the podcast so much. I definitely don't want to miss the opportunity in this or the next couple seasons. Thanks again for the best podcast on the internet, Derek. Oh, thanks, Derek. Derek. Awesome comment. Thanks, Derek. Our next email is from Yan. Alrighty. Hello, down belowers. Here is some feedback for Babylon 5, Season 3, Episode 2, Conviction. Ivanova was right when she said, No boom today, boom tomorrow. And today, several booms and a potentially big one. For me, this episode has the funniest scene in all of B5. Well, being on a serious subject, Londo and Jakar in the elevator. So we have a mad bomber on the station, and Lanier saves Londo. Secondary plot, a group of monks arrive at the station to seek out all the names of God, as Brother Theo explains. He actually makes sense as a religious person, much more than many who claim to be religious. By the way, did you recognize the actor playing Brother Theo? He is played by Louis Touraine, same actor as the original Drawl. Or it could be Louis, I don't know. As someone rather agnostic, I enjoy seeing JMS treating religious beliefs with respect, even though he has declared himself as an atheist. (laughs) 
Did you notice the obnoxious man bothering Lanier? How could you? How could we not notice him again? <laughs> 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 he is played by DP John Flynn, and of course, Lanier's Netter syndrome is a nod to executive producer Doug Netter. JMS had at some stage told the following story. One day at the filming, he noticed everyone standing around looking at the stage. It turned out to be the elevator scene. He told that he had written the dialogue as more serious, but when he saw how Peter Jurisic and Andreas Katsoulis ran with it in the humorous way, he decoded to, decided to leave it in. I just love the acting they show here. Funny and serious all at the same time. We're with you, yeah. Now for the favorites. UK spelling. Human. I could have gone with Sheridan or Garibaldi, but I think I will go for Brother Theo. He is both kind, humorous, and serious in the way in his way as a true seeker. Alien. Both Londo and Jakar are excellent, but this time I will go with Lanier. Quotes. Brother Theo, when Ivanova asks why they are in the search, if they are such good specialists, they also believe. Londo, after his long monologue to Lanier, I am not sure that made any sense, but I am afraid that if I try to go back and figure it out, I will start bleeding from my ears. Sheridan and Garibaldi. Um, I'm sorry, I have to cough. <coughs> Did we already do this one? Um, I can't remember. I believe we did. Okay, so um, episode rating. The main plot with the bomber isn't particularly original, but it is well executed, and the elevator scene with Londo and Jakar steals the show completely. So I will rate this episode... 8 out of 10 bombs in the fusion reactor. That's all from me. Be careful, for you may have reached the point of no return. Yan the Babylon Lurker. Thank you, Yan. Thanks, Yan. See, our final email is from Michael. And I can take that one. Hi, guys. Just a short email this week regarding convictions. Overall, not a bad episode for a standalone story, but I feel... It felt like a little lacking as it didn't continue with any of the new elements introduced in last week's season opener. I enjoyed the Lando Jakar elevated scene and Sheridan was doing his best Sinclair impression going to talk with the bomber. I, I'd completely forgotten about the arrival of Brother Theo onto the station, rating a solid if unremarkable episode, 7 out of 10 Centauri, needing to change the light bulb. Human Sheridan, he did save the day after all. Alien Londo, I really enjoyed telling him, sorry, Londo, I really enjoyed him tending to the injured Lanier and the argument with the Jakar in the elevator show many sides to his character. Quote, I suppose we've had a convention of mad bombers arrive here on the station. Yes, that must be it. From now on, I must remember to check the B5 social calendar more often. (laughs) (laughs) I like that one. Yeah, that's a good Uh, one. Thanks, Michael. Yeah, we missed that quote. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Yeah, if you want to send us feedback, again, that's mail at downbelowpodcast.com and also in the Facebook group and on our website. Downbelowpodcast.com. Great. Yeah. A lot of good feedback. Oh, yes. We love the feedback. <laughs> so now we're going to do predictions. The next episode is called A Day in the Strife. <laughs> mm. Hans. 
I hope we get like a, a we follow one character and uh, sort of a day in the life type documentary sort of thing. I hope it's something different and like that because that would be fun. Like Clarence? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's exactly where that needs to go. That, that sounds like amazing. a really good episode. <laughs> <laughs> now I feel like it's probably not going to be that. I didn't say that. <laughs> Uh, um, yeah, I I don't know. What do you think, Elizabeth? Um, yeah, I mean, that sounds really good. I mean, the strife, so... I mean, it's obviously a pun, so... Um, maybe it's not, like, necessarily related to any strife that we're seeing so far. Maybe they just... It's just, like, one person's really bad day or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I completely uh, agree with your prediction there. Um, you know what I'm kind of hoping is that, <clears throat> and again, maybe this is just me trying to make meaning of the bomber, but what I'm hoping is that, you know, the fact that, because this is a pretty big deal. I mean, there's a, there's been a lot of crazy, crazy stuff happening on ba- Babylon 5, but having like a, like a terrorist on board, maybe <clears throat> this will have implications on maybe Earth, you know, putting more oversight over Babylon 5 or maybe in, instilling more... Um, security measures or sending somebody else to oversee things and maybe maybe what happened in this episode will have implications going forward in terms of like you know pushing the sort of I don't know enhanced security measures slash fascism that's going on Um, and that's what I'm just hoping because it's kind of tying into kind of like what they were they're talking about on earth too in terms of like using using things to their advantage to get what they want politically. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I hope. So yeah, that, um, would, that would be good to actually have something come from it. Although I do feel like this was sort of just commenting on the fact that, okay, all these huge things happen around you and there's wars going on. And yet you're most upset because you had a bad day. And, I feel like that's sort of what the commentary was of behind this. And I don't know that it's going to have any implications. I hope that it does. Yeah, I'm just hoping that it does. And uh, my um, thoughts before were kind of that Londo and Jakar would have to sort of get over this to in order to coexist. But I I don't see that happening now. <laughs> nope. And I really thought that in this situation that they would help each other out to get out of it. And so I was completely blown away by that. And um, and I, I am so interested to see going forward what has to happen between the two of them. Because, I mean, it, they can't just continue to exist this way. <laughs> I mean, Wanda would... Sorry. Uh, I was just going to say, JMS says at this point, and this was said uh, during uh, the filming of season three, uh, but that at this point, there's nothing left between Londo and Jakar but hate. And and you see that, you know, before the explosion when, when Londo won't even ride the elevator with him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were going to say, yeah. Elizabeth? Uh, well, just going to say that Londo would have to do something pretty spectacular yeah. for Jakar to even, you know treat him civilly. I mean, he'd have to completely come in and save all of Narnia, I think. You know, and that's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah, how do you just get over the subjugation of your people? Right. 
Yeah. Uh, so I have I have a, a foiler prediction. All right. Uh, I'm not sure where it came from, but basically that oh, a day in the stripe. So um, this is JMS's tribute to Fiddler on the Roof, and it's going to be Londo walking around the station and looking up and talking to God about all of his blessings and oh, <laughs> do you have to bless me so much and all of this other stuff. But it'll be him looking up to Great Maker and all of that. Well, we have been getting a lot of religious overtones. So. <laughs> he finally sees Kosh. That's what happens. Mm. All right. Any more predictions? I think that's it for me. Uh, Nettie, thank you for joining us Thanks, again Nettie. this week. I had yeah, a lot of fun, and I'm so glad back. that it was this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I get to break the rules and, and, and no one else can. <laughs> With my yeah, I'm just gonna read it because that one scene makes everything better. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I had I had a lot of fun, and um, I skipped Aikido for this, so that just you know that's, that's how much I like Aww. being here. Um, yeah, Aikido no. and Down Below are ex- at exactly the same time. Oh well, thank you. Well, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I heard on one of your recent shows you. We're really enjoying that as well, so it makes yes. a big difference to being here. Thank you very much. Yes, and and I'm finally back to it after, well, I've been back the last month after my back injury, and I'm just like, ah, live, breathe, eat Aikido. Awesome. <laughs> but oh, I, I, love, I love coming on this show, and um, when I told them I wasn't coming this morning, you know, everyone's like, oh, why? Oh, I have to record, record a podcast. Oh, what about? Well, it's about uh, Babylon 5. And everyone's like, oh, I love Babylon 5. <laughs> oh, and really? Oh, wow. good, good. Yeah. And, and then explaining the IntroCast format, everyone's like, oh, that's really cool. So if any of my Aikido friends are listening <laughs> to this in the future when you go get to season three, hi. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, definitely. I, have, I was looking at at work one day I was like looking I think I was maybe looking in our Facebook group or something and this guy was walking past like why are you looking at Jakar or pictures of Jakar or something like that and it's like oh let's do this podcast about level and five yeah, blah, blah. and, and you were like wait how do you know who Jakar is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was kind of what I was thinking I didn't say that though because he's kind of a younger guy too younger than me at least that's always my first thought especially yeah. when it's somebody younger it's like wait you know Babylon 5 too yeah oh excellent so tell us where else can we find you oh yes uh, you can find me and uh, all of the podcasts that I'm on at nimlas.org n-i-m-l-a-s Dot org, and that's where you can find my show, The Nutty Bites Podcast, where we highlight things that are awesome and debate geeky topics. And you can find links to everything there. Twitter, Facebook, awesome. everything. Cool. Well, that's all we have for this week, folks. We'll be back next time with A Day in the Strife. But until then, goodbye. Be seeing you. Bye. Stroke off. Look for us on the web in iTunes and on Stitcher Radio. Also, downbelowpodcast.com, facebook.com slash group slash downbelowpodcast, and twitter.com slash downbelowcast.